0: Numbers chapter 13, Numbers chapter 13, Israel is on the verge of the promised land. They had sent out 12 spies, uh, prominent men from every tribe, to strategize how to go in and possess the land that God had already given them. This was their chance to realize God's purpose in delivering them from Egypt. Israel had a date with destiny, and this was it. This was the opportunity of a lifetime to prove God. Numbers chapter 13, verse 17. Find that and stand to your feet if you would, please. Numbers chapter 13, verse 17. Brother Chris is going to help us do some reading here this morning. Numbers chapter 13, verses, um, yes, 17
1: through 20 to start with. Let's read. It says, And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, and said unto them, Get you up this way southward, and go into the mountain, and see the land what it is. And the people that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many, and what, and what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds, and what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not, and be of good courage, and bring of the fruit of the land, now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes."
0: All right, Israel, Israel was here on the verge of something big. Somebody said that life is 10% of what happens to us and 90% of how we respond to what happens to us. And I want you to notice the three responses here uh, to opportunity is given in our text here, and we're going to read a little more in just a second, so hold on. We're going to be talking about the wimps, the whiners, and the warriors. That's the three opportunities, uh, uh, choices on how to respond when problems come. Wimps, whiners, that's W-H-I-N-E-R-S, and warriors. Remain standing in verse 27.
1: Chris, help us one more time. And they told him and said, We came into the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled, and very great, and moreover we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites, and the the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan.
0: Now skip down to verse 31, notice what it says here, but But the men that went up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought us an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so were we in their sight. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you help us to see these three uh, choices on how to respond to problems, and Lord, may we take the high road. We give you praise with anticipation in Christ's name. Amen. You can be seated. Now, men and women, what you see is what you pursue. What you see is what you pursue and what you see determines what you do. The warriors in our text, they saw a land flowing with milk and honey. They brought back some great clusters that were so humongous, they had to put them on a broom handle between two, two men. One guy said the grapes were so big You could uh, take the pulp out of them and use the skins for a shower cap. I'm telling you, it was a land uh, flowing with milk and honey. It was absolutely tremendous. That's what the warriors saw. But the whiners, the whiners saw better days back in Egypt. And the wimps, all they could see were giants and problems, opposition, uh, Jebusites, Amorites, Hittites, Canaanites, sons of Anak. And I'm going to tell you, they were scared to death of these giants. Now, somebody said, faith makes giants look like grasshoppers. Faith makes giants look like grasshoppers, but unbelief makes grasshoppers look like giants. The children of Israel, had, they had divine promises. They had seen divine performances. They had the divine presence, but they were afraid. And I want to tell you something. You should be afraid. You should be afraid of being afraid because fear always brings defeat. Now, the wimps looked at their own weakness. They had 600,000 soldiers, 600,000 soldiers, but they saw themselves as grasshoppers, and they were hobbled by fear. You know, we're living in a day and an age when people are terrified with circumstance, terrified with all kinds of stuff. We got the fear of man, we got the fear of the future, and we have the fear of change. And I want to tell you something, uh, it, it doesn't pay to be paralyzed with fear. Every day you're alive, you ought to live it, and you ought to get busy living or get busy dying, and I say we ought to get busy living every day. Now, uh, listen, the strategy of the devil is to take the fight out of you. And the children of Israel were afraid, were afraid, and they, some of them wanted to die in the wilderness rather than go forward. Now, I want to say something to you here this morning, that God has more territory for every one of us to conquer. God has more victory for us uh, to implement in our lives. And I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, if you're afraid of change, you're going to miss out on what God is doing. Apollos was a tremendous orator, well-schooled in the gospel, but he had a hole in his theology. He was absolutely ignorant of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So Apollos and, and uh, Priscilla, they took him aside and they mentored him in the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. He was humble enough to be taught by business people, one of which was a woman. And he was, uh, And that's no, that's no disparaging remark. I'm just telling you, he was a humble guy. And he knew he didn't know and he wanted to know, so he submitted himself and he learned. Now listen, if Apollos had more he could learn How many think there's maybe more we could learn if we were teachable enough to uh, inquire of God and humble enough to be taught by whatever instrument God wanted to use to teach us? You know, a lot of people come to church not to learn anything new, only to have reinforced what they already have heard. And every group has their pet doctrines. Every group has their pet mantras, their pet cliches. They want to hear the, hear the same thing by the same people in the same way, and they don't want to hear anything new. Well, somebody says, well, well, brother, if it's new, it's not true, and if it's true, it's not new. That's a stupid statement. Can I just say something to you? There's nothing new to God. But there's a pile of stuff, there's a million light years of stuff that would be new to us if we had the humility and the hunger to learn from Almighty God Himself. One reason most churches are in decline is because the lack of spiritual hunger. you got to read your Bible, not through the lens of tradition or, 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 or what men have taught. You better be reading it with childlike faith, with a receptivity to the Spirit of God. Now listen, if, Paul, Paul, if God had more for Apollos, do you think maybe God has more for you here this morning? You know, once you stop growing, you start going backwards. When you fail to reach out for more, you're going to end up with less. And one of the dangers of growing older is you stop growing. (laughs) And if you stop growing, it's over. It is over. And I want to tell you something. There's more to it than routine. There's more to it than duty. There's more to it than just rehearsing and, and on and on and on. The same old, same old. Listen, if your soul is not expanding, it's shrinking. And if you're not hungry for more, you'll end up with less. And I want to tell you something. Israel chose to stay put rather than move forward. They were afraid of change in the wilderness, and they were afraid of change. Can you believe it? The average church in America has 68 people, 68 people. Most churches in America are in decline or have plateaued. And the fear of change makes people scared uh, to even think outside the box Now, let me tell you something. A lot of our boxes are over 40 years ago, and we better be figuring out what God wants to do in the here and now right here today. God wants us to connect with the current generation. You know what we need? Some fresh truth, some fresh wind, and some fresh fire, and we need a fresh touch from God. We better stop following the traditions of men because nobody's learned enough about Jesus. You know what a learner is? A learner is somebody who's willing to unlearn what they never should have learned in order to learn what they should have learned in the first place. And it takes a humbled person to say, Lord, teach me. Jesus said, I am meek and lowly of heart. Learn of me. You got to be teachable if you're going to be taught by God. But Israel was afraid. Now listen to this quote. He who loses wealth loses much. He who loses a friend loses more, but he who loses courage loses it all. Listen, men and women, courage is confidence in the character of God in the uh, seasons of distress. I like what uh, John Gardner said. He said we're continually faced with a series of great opportunities brilliantly disguised as insoluble problems. We We have a series of great opportunities. But the Israelites were afraid of these giants. And I just wondered this morning, kind of giants you got in your your life here this morning. Everybody has a dominant strength and everybody has dominant weaknesses. How many here this morning know your dominant weakness? Lift your hand. How many have more than one dominant weakness? You have multiple dominant weaknesses. I mean... be hard to narrow down to one, amen? But, you know, listen, we better know our hearts and we better know our God. And I want to tell you something. Well, one of the greatest dominant weaknesses in conservative Christianity is unbelief, is unbelief. And the Lord referenced this in Hebrews. He said, take heed, uh, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. And I'm telling you, the, the, the inability or the choice uh, to believe God for better things. Some are into hyper-determinism. And that's just whatever's going to be is going to be. Ain't nothing you can do. Praying ain't make no difference, so on and so forth. Let me just say something to you this morning. You have a duty to repent and believe the gospel according to the Lord Jesus and Christ and none of the Bible preachers ever told people they were incapable of repentance and faith. They just told them that's exactly what they need to do. And Spurgeon preached duty faith, and I think that's what we ought to be preaching. <laughs> now, listen, what is your giant this morning? Unbelief, carnality. You got a besetting sin, an addiction, anxiety, grief. Oh, whatever, whatever giants you're facing this morning, I'm telling you, uh, some, many in the children of Israel camp, they had the wimp response. But notice second, the whiner response. Again, W-H-I-N-E-R-S. Look in chapter 14. Chapter 14, verse 1. The whiner responds. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. The whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt? Listen to this. Or would God that we had died in this wilderness? man, what kind of talk is this? And wherefore hath the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? They wanted to go back to bondage. And they said to one another, let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt. The whiners, the whiners, all they could see were difficulties. They were blinded with unbelief preoccupied with themselves and their problems. They had this pent-up frustration, and they took it out by criticizing Moses. (laughs) It was unreasonable and unjust, but instead of ascribing fault to the ten spies' evil report, instead of ascribing the fault to the unbelief of their own hearts, what did they do? They turned around and attacked Moses, which was really an attack on God you know that you can't learn from people you don't respect. You cannot learn from people that you do not respect. And you cannot benefit from people that you do not honor. Now the Lord had already told them that the land was excellent. He had promised to guide them. He had promised to deliver the heathen nations into their hands. And he had commanded them to go up at once and possess it. But Israel listened to these ten faithless spies, and they murmured against Moses. Now, the Israelites listened to ten faithless cowards instead of the two brave believers. Now, let me give you the consequences of listening to an evil report. You become disheartened. Uh, (coughs) The Bible says they were distressed. They were up all night long weeping. And they lifted up their voices to God and they cried. Is it any wonder they were distressed? Listening to the wrong people always results in disaster. And listening to slander uh, will incite you to murmur and to join in in that chorus of slander. And listening to an evil report causes the same kind of garbage to issue out of your mouth. That's just the way it is. So after they had listened to these 10 spies, they wanted to get a new leader and go back into slavery. So warped was their perspective that they preferred bondage to the blessings of the promised land. And the 10 spies halted the progress of the nation for 38 years. Now listen, courage is faith in action. Courage is faith in action. Cowardice is faith in defeat. It says in the book of Jude, there were murmurers and complainers walking in their own lust. Murmurers and complainers. I was in high school, we had the FFA. I remember the FFA, Future Farmers of, mm -hmm. I got into a church and discovered another FFA group, the Future Pharisees of America, Carpenter criticizing, murmuring, complaining on on non-essential stuff. There's some things we'll go to the mat over. There's some things we're going to drive a stake on, but they ain't 200 things to drive a stake on. Can I get a little witness here this morning from somebody in the house of God? Just complaining all the time, griping all the time, my duty as wire-rimmed glasses. How many remember that idiotic preaching that took place back in those days? The stupidest stuff you can think of, and, and as if this was the word of God. Look, if you, if you want to act and dress a certain way, go ahead, but don't make it out to be the word of God if it's not a black and whiter. This is, I'm gonna have to amen. I'm gonna come down there and amen myself if y'all don't perk up a little bit. This is really good. Now, in the Gospels, <laughs> in, the, in the Gospels, this woman anointed Jesus with a costly ointment. And guess what happened? They, some of them complained, why this waste of ointment? And they murmured against her. Now, I want to say this. Every church, every movement has resident critics. Resident critics. Criticize the message. Criticize the messenger. Criticize the maker. Uh, God said, they provoked me in the wilderness. And this criticism is ultimately against God himself. Now, now, now criticism is the death gargle of a non-achiever. Criticism is the death rattle of a non-achiever. Have you ever noticed how that career critics seldom make a contribution to the cause that can overanalyze everything and tell you what's wrong with everything and boy, just enumerate everything under the sun? Oh, brother, Bill McLeod said that judging is the favorite indoor sport of Christians. Judging and criticizing, the favorite indoor sport of Christ. But the Bible says, speak not evil one of another. Let me say something to you here this morning. If a person is blood bought believes that Jesus died for their sin and he's a child of God, he's got the Spirit of God living in him, you're going to spend eternity with him and you better learn to love him here because you're supposed to be loving your enemies and God's people are not your enemies if they cross a few T's a little different. Oh, y'all they know y'all was going to get something this good this morning, yeah, I'm telling you, let me figure out what I'm supposed to be saying. Yeah, all right, yeah, great men talk about ideas. Great men talk about ideas, but small men talk about people. But if you have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, lie not against the truth. Uh, what, what, what kind of a flexible pulpit do we have here in Gospel Baptist? Church? What's going on? <laughs> we need stable pulpits here in America. <laughs> Descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where there is envy and strife, there's confusion and every evil work. All right, y'all pay attention. Quit laughing. Pay attention right now. (laughs) A critical spirit may not be a sign of great discernment, it could be a sign of the demonic. Oh, listen, speak not evil one of another. Be careful. Let's be careful now. Let's let's be real careful. Mindless, thoughtless, careless, derogatory speech. You know what a dirt devil is? A dirt devil is a religious individual who can siphon up dirt on the best of the saints. In Genesis, Satan slandered God to man. Hath God said, Satan distorted the words of God, defamed the character of God, slandered the integrity of God, and attacked the motives of God. He's a slanderer. That's what diabolos means, slanderer. In the book of Job, uh, Satan, he, Satan slandered man to God. Well, the only reason he's serving you, Job, is because you've got this hedge around him. Take that away, and he'll curse you to your face. Remove the blessing. He will hate you. So here he's prejudging Job's motives. You better be careful judging people's motives because you don't have the full score. You don't know what they're dealing with. You don't know where they've been. We need to lighten up on some of this and just love some people uh, who's not, not in the kingdom yet, you know? Is it not easy to catalog the faults of others? Is it not easy to look for blemishes and defects and to rehearse the failures? Is it not easy to repeat stuff you don't know it's true? Oh, listen, slander is the straw. Slander is the straw that siphons the dregs of depravity from the bottom of the human heart. And I want to tell you, the tongue is never satisfied. It must be crucified. And bro, when you find yourself entertaining a complaining spirit and, you know, all of this kind of stuff, we need some spiritual mouthwash and we need to quit whining and murmuring and complaining. By the way, murmuring is just complaining to people who can't do anything about it anyhow. So here they have got these whiners. Here they have these whips, wimps. But let's move quickly to the warriors. This is the part we're going to get to. Now look in chapter 13, verse 30. And Caleb still the people. Caleb still the people before Moses. He's 85 years old. That guy could reel in a Goliath grouper. I'm telling you, that guy right there, he, he was 85 years old. He must have been eating barley green or... Something, I don't know what he was doing, but his, his spirit had not dissipated. He still had strength in his heart. All right, if I come back down here, we're gonna go after Goliath, brother Nick. We have gotta get one of these in the boat quick. And um, anyhow, uh, he, he's paying no attention to that. Caleb's still the people before Moses. And here's what he said. Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Oh, Caleb was a warrior. Gotta like this guy. The wimp saw the giants, the whiner saw the garlics back in Egypt, but the warriors saw the goodness of God in the land of the living. Listen, whiners focus on what they're going through, champions focus on what they're going to. So, Caleb, he had to detach himself from the fearful, from the naysayers, from the unbelievers. And listen, child of God, don't let a momentary setback cause you to draw back. Let it be a setup to go forward with God for greater things. The wimps focus on what is. They look around. Well, the political climate doesn't look good, and the the spiritual climate is uh, not so hot, and we're... The wimps are focusing on what is. They're looking around. The whiners are focusing on what was. They're looking back, well, back in the old days, brother, I'll tell you, we really had, but yeah, well, uh, okay. They focus on what was, but the warriors focus on what can be. They're looking ahead. You got to quit looking at the way things are. You got to start looking at the way things can be. And I'm going to give you three characteristics of a warrior based upon the life of Caleb. Old Caleb had three things that all the others lacked. Number one, Caleb had faith. We are well able to overcome it. We need some well able thinking. Some well able praying. Some well well able preaching. Some well able believing. You know what faith is? It's confidence in God. It's just confidence in God. God's greatest pleasure is to be believed. God's greatest grief is to be doubted. And we gotta quit praying our prayers of unbelief and prayers of doubt. We gotta start praying prayers of faith. Whatever's not a faith is sin. If we're not expecting something, we're not even praying anyhow. Now listen, the wimps were preoccupied with fear. They were terrified. These giants, these walled cities, this opposition, uh, they were preoccupied with fear. The whiners were preoccupied, preoccupied with fussing just fussing and saying stuff all the time. (laughs) But the warriors were preoccupied with faith. And I want to tell you that faith is deliberate confidence in the character of God in seasons of distress. Warriors will view obstacles as unrealized opportunities. Alan Redpath said, Let us keep our chins up and our knees down. We're on the victory side. Frank Frito said, Faith is the conviction that God doesn't tell lies. And if God's got us this through, he's going to get us all the way to the end of the day. Now listen to this. Faith is man's weakness leaning on God's strength. And I want to tell you something. Whatever's not a faith is sin. But old Caleb, boy, he had faith. Look at chapter 14, verse 24. Last verse, look at this. Chapter 14, verse 24. Here's what God said. But my servant Caleb, because he had a, Another spirit with him and has followed me fully. Him will I bring into the land whereinto he went and his seed shall possess it. Let me tell you something about Caleb. He wasn't sitting around whining. He wasn't sitting around complaining. He wasn't sitting around looking back. He had a different spirit on him. He, God said, he's followed me fully. He had unwavering fidelity to the Lord. He was a man with a different outlook, a man with a vision, a man with a passion. And I'm telling you, the man who hunkers for the highest will discover that horizons will always be a menace to his peace. Now, whatever's been accomplished, praise the Lord. But brother, the best things are dead ahead. I don't care if you're 85 years old or, I don't, it don't make any difference. Who cares how old? He was 85 years old. And look at this guy. I'm just telling you, what a role model. Now, do you realize that believing you actually possess what you ask for in prayer is not presumption? So if you've been reading the Jack Daniels sipping, baby baptizing fatalist, you, this is for you. Believing you actually possess what you ask for in prayer is not presumption. The Bible calls it faith. D.L. Moody said, if God is your partner, you better make your plans big. And old Caleb said, we're well able to overcome it. <laughs> so what? The economy's falling apart. We're well able to overcome it. Oh, Caleb, you had faith. Number two, Caleb had fire. He, he had a little fire. I like a little fire. Well, you don't have to get so excited, Brother you Harold. You, you, you should do all that yelling up there. And uh, Well, I went to a living memorial for a dear friend of mine the other day. And uh, <laughs> I, said, I looked at old Tom and Tom Farrell, and I said, Tom, we had some high times up at the prayer advance, brother. We had some high times, didn't we? He went like this. And I said to that crowd, I said, when we get to heaven, when you get to heaven, y'all are going to start acting like in heaven what we was acting like down there on earth at the prayer dance, and said, you better get used to it in the here and the now. A little fire wouldn't hurt some of y'all. I just want to throw that out there for what it's worth right there. I ain't talking about emotionalism. I ain't talking about manipulation. I ain't talking about trying to work up something. I'm talking about the fire of God burning in somebody's heart. Oh, Caleb, he, you know, they couldn't quench him. You know, there's two symbols for the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, wind and fire. And and, and when the disciples were on the Emmaus Road, uh, they felt the fire rise up in their hearts. Did not our hearts burn within us when he talked with us by the way? When Jesus was talking about Jesus from the Old Testament, when they're walking down the road with those two depressed disciples after the crucifixion, you know, and they felt this fire rise up in their heart, a little, a little holy heartburn wouldn't hurt nothing. And I'm here to tell you, brother, we need the fellowship of the burning hearts in 2021 and forward. Uh, something going on. You know, Let me tell you about fire. It warms. The brother. Y'all don't need no fireplaces down here. I'm just telling you, you don't need no fireplaces down here. It's hot as a firecracker, but I'll tell you something about fire. It warms, it uh, lightens, it consumes, it purifies, it animates. And you know where there's holy fire, and I'm not talking about emotional stuff. I'm against uh, trying to work up something. But, brother, I'm for something rising up from down deep within, and I want to tell you something about holy fire. Where you got holy fire, you got initiative you got initiative. You're not moaning about the last days all the time. You're not complaining about how, well, brother, there's going to be a great falling away and and the evil men are going to wax worse and worse and the church is right on track and we're just... Be finished with all that that, that defeatism. Be finished with all of that uh, depressing (laughs) nonsense. Uh, The Church of the Living God is on fire in China where it's illegal to even have an assembly and they got more people, what, 10,000 people converted every day and they can't even have a church service. And when we can't have a church service, that ain't gonna stop what God wants to do here in this country or anywhere else. God has a purpose and he has a plan and he's got the power. And if we had the fire, we could see some stuff happen in our generation. That's what I believe. I'm just telling. Now, old Caleb, he didn't suggest they form a committee and study the dilemma for three years. Up at once! Let's go. Don't you like old Caleb, man? He's like old Nick on a fishing trip. Let's go. <laughs> We're going for broke. So he had fire. He had faith. But listen to this: he had fortitude. Oh, he had fortitude. He said, "Let us go up at once." and possess it. God's given it to us. Let's go get it. Now, Caleb was ready for a fight. Let me tell you about Caleb. He couldn't acclimate himself to the wilderness. He could not acclimate himself to the wilderness. Now, he was not content to spend the rest of his life trouncing around in some barren wilderness. His body was in the wilderness, but his heart was in the promised land brother, I'm telling you, there's a promised land coming, and boy, we ought to be laying up some treasures here on earth. Somebody said the Israelites were like a cage of canaries. A lot of activity, but no progress. A lot was going on, but they were going nowhere. Just circling around in the wilderness, you know, marching in circles 40 years. I took my wife on a, on a cruise, a Caribbean cruise. I love a Caribbean cruise. I love this blue water down here. Hmm. Yeah, I'm looking for a $20,000 lot in Bonita Springs. But uh, in, anyhow, they, 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 they. <laughs> they marching around in circles. I took my wife on the oasis of the sea, see? Now, in the promenade, they had this, uh, a merry-go-round. Like a real merry-go-round. A huge merry-go-round. And we went out there, and, you know, they got the pipe organ playing, kind of like at a camp meeting, you know what I'm saying, that bouncy music, you know what I'm saying? They got the pipe organ going over there. And those kids were up there on those uh, horses on the merry-go-round, you know, just going up and out and just going around in circles just like this right here. Every time they come around and see their parents, They'd be waving, waving like that, you know, just every time they go around, they come around like that. And you know, those kids, they were just going in circles, they thought they were going somewhere. And every time they'd come around, they would just be waving at their parents out there, just going around in circles. How many know that God do not want us going around in circles? He us, wants us going in somewhere and making some progress. You know, a dead fish, he can float. With the current but it takes a live one to swim upstream and I, I'm, I'm just here I'm just here I'm just here to tell you that fortitude it's a sin not to live up to our privileges it's a sin not to live up to our privileges and brother oh, the cities were great but God was greater the walls were high but God was higher the Giants were big but God was bigger and there's never been a wall too high for God, never been a city too great for God, and never been a giant too strong for God. And my Bible tells me we're to exhort one another. Boy, we better be exhorting one another. And so much the more, as you hear, see the day approaching, lest any of you become hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Today, if you will hear his voice, don't harden your heart like in the provocation with whom was he... Gr- grief for 40 years was it not those that had sinned whose carcasses fell in the wilderness and see that they could not enter in because of their unbelief just right there in the wilderness going around in circles and going nowhere doing nothing and and listen the wimps and the whiners died in the wilderness but Caleb he got in to the promised land glory to God and you get to choose your, 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 your existence, wilderness, or promised land. Take heed lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. The warriors are the winners. And the warriors have a different reality. I'm just telling you, they operate on the basis of where they are. They're seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Let me throw this out real quick right here. Do you understand if you're born again? You're more than a sinner saved by grace. You have the divine nature of God resident within you. Do you understand that? How come all we hear about is how depraved the human heart is? I know the old human heart, you couldn't tell how bad that was. But if you've been born again, you got a new heart. God's taken out your old heart of stone. He's put in a heart that's capable of feeling spiritual pain and pleasure. You've been made partakers of the divine nature. That is not heresy. That is Bible. And it's high time we got off this theology of depravity for a little bit and got on to a theology of victory. Say amen, somebody. Is that true, or is, is that true, Brother Greitens? Is that true or not? I'm just telling you, it's flat out the truth. Now listen, they're seat, we're seated together in heavenly places. They operate on the basis of who they are. They're in Christ. We're not in the flesh. We're not in Adam. We're in Christ and Christ is in us. Wow. They operate on the basis of what they already have, everything that pertains to life and godliness in Christ Jesus. We already got it. We just need to implement it and appropriate by faith what God has provided. All right, now life is 10% of what happens to us. 90% of how we respond to what happens to us. And you know when bad stuff happens. Um, and nobody's exempt, okay? It, it's, it's not just that. That's 10%. But the other 90% is how we respond to what happens to us. I have a friend. He's got uh, cancer right here in his jaw. It's advanced cancer. And he called me up, told me about it. Prayed the prayer of faith. And I said, uh, and, and I'm amazed. Like, I'm amazed. He said, well, whatever God He said, I'm, I'm, I'm determined to, to see this thing through, whatever God wants. And wow, I mean, he's talking faith, and he's, he's actually believing it. You can tell he's believing what he's saying, you know. Oh, brother, I'm telling you, it's 90% of how we respond to what happens to us. Now, there's three responses to the challenges of life we find here in our text in Numbers. The wimp response, the whiner response, and the warrior response. The wimps, the wimps perished. The whiners perished. But the warriors inherited the promised land. Caleb and Joshua were the only two out of that bunch, over 40, that made it in. Can you believe that? So this morning, child of God, can I just encourage your heart, cast your fears on the Lord, Uh, Confront the giants that you're facing. Uh, Let's man up and get a different spirit on us like Caleb had on him. Let's regain a right perspective and quit complaining and moaning God help us to to speak some words of faith. Now, let me tell you what I've been doing here lately. Behind my house, I live out in the country, and real country. I'm talking about Florida country. I'm talking about real country. Like we've got big trees, you know, with leaves on them. I go up by my house. It's my sanctuary. It's quiet. Can barely hear the traffic. Oh, I like that. (laughs) And I got this folding chair. And I sit in my folding chair. He said, what are you doing up there? Praying. Worshipping. Listening. Getting still. Getting quiet. Brothers, no, I spent my whole life running. I spent my whole life running. I just run. I just spent my whole life running. Now I'm at a place where I walked into my children, and they were having, they were having a conversation on the benefits of stillness and quietness. Hmm. Well, I listened, I think I'm missing something here. I just run from one thing to the other, and I, I like doing stuff. I like, you know, being active. I, I, I'm not going to give that up. But all I'm saying is, I'll go up there in the woods and I just sit down. I just look up. I plug in a song, since I don't have the opportunity to sing. I have no ability, so I have to borrow people's talent. And I know what floats my boat. I just listen to this. I think y'all would think I was crazy if you saw me up there. I'm just up there having a big time, walking around, jumping around, having a big time, praising God. And you know what? You know what? If I don't have that, I fall into the wimp response or the whining response real quick. We need to get at the feet of Jesus, get renewed, get restored, get rejuvenated, amen, get refilled, get cleansed. Oh, God, oh God. I don't know about you, but I'll tell you one thing. I like to finish up hotter than I was when I came into the kingdom of God. I like to finish up with more fire than I started out with. And again, don't misunderstand me. I'm not just talking about just emotional excess here. I'm talking about having something burning in my heart toward God himself. And brother, God wants that fire burning. And if we're going to be warriors, we're going to have to feed the fire. Amen. You need the right friends. The right friends are the people that feed, fertilize uh, your your vision, your passion. And you need to disassociate yourself from the scorners and the unbelievers and the the, the ungodly Psalm chapter 1. Just get away from that crowd. And if you can find somebody that's got some faith on them, get find somebody like old Caleb, you know. He's got the, he's got that fire, he's got the faith, he's got the fortitude, and and, and let's just determine by the grace of God. We're gonna finish up with the fire of God burning in our heart. Let's lift the shield of faith this morning and let's ask God for fire and fortitude to see the journey through to the end of the day by the grace of God.